It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Did y'all think I went away? I know it's been forever since we did the last podcast, but I got to tell you, this tax season, for some reason, was harder on me than it normally is, and we were just up to our eyeballs and um, getting our financial planning clients organized as well as, as I've probably told you guys in the past, I have a bad habit of I have a few clients that I still do some tax preparation for. So um, this tax season was rough on us. But we are back. Thank you for joining us. This is the Money Guy Podcast. Um, for all my new listeners out there, just to let you know what this is, this is free advice. We're giving you free advice here, restoring order to your financial chaos to help you make better decisions to be a better consumer, a better investor, and hopefully build that financial independence out there that allows you to quit working with your hands and let your money do the work for you. Now, if you're also trying to figure out, I've tried to think of an analogy to give people to let them know about this show. There's a lot of podcasts out there that have come on board that are put out by big publications that are real glossy, have great intros, have all kind of a marketing machine behind them. Those are like those $24 hamburgers that I talked about when I was out in Los Angeles. We are more like that roadside stand that um, is advertising barbecue. You pull over to it, you eat the sandwich. The sandwiches are practically free, but it is the best food you have ever put in your mouth. And that is exactly what we are. I am one of the few podcasts that I'm actually a wealth manager by day. I am a certified public accountant, a certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist. And I just do this as a hobby. There's a part of me that feels a little guilty that I have pretty pretty decent minimums, so I can't help everybody that comes in off the street um, to make better financial decisions. So I don't think that's fair. So I try to, to provide this resource to doing this podcast show to kind of level the playing field. So thanks for joining me. If you do want to contact the show, you can write me um, through email. You can write brian at money-guy.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at money-guy.com. You can also go on MySpace. On MySpace, you go myspace.com slash moneyguypodcast, and you can find us right there on um, on MySpace. So come join us. Glad you're tuning in. So let's jump right in. What's today's financial chaos topic? Today's topic is we're going to talk about how lazy, lazy investing can actually be good investing. But before I jump in right into that topic, I want to give you guys a challenge. I know we just came through tax season, and tax season um, is stressful. I can understand that because, believe me, I, I completely understand. I filed my, my 4868, that's that federal extension form, on Monday, paid all the money I can to the government for my first quarter estimated tax payments as well as the money that I owe the government with the extension. So that's taken care of, and that's that's stressful to have to move all that money around and then understand and recognize how much you've paid to the government throughout the year. It's very, very painful. So I know a lot of you are probably at home or, or in your car or at the office listening to this podcast, and you're licking your wounds from tax season. But let's talk about what's possibly a positive from from this event. You can say what you want to about taxes. They at least allow you to take an inventory of what you earned in the previous year, in 2006. So we can look at that and kind of look at where you are with your financial life. And I know it's very easy. I sit here all the time on these Financial Chaos podcast shows and give you guys the advice of that you need to be saving 15 to 20% for retirement because Social Security is a joke. 
pensions are going extinct, and you've got to do everything on your own. And that's very easy for me to say that because I've been very blessed and fortunate enough that, the, that this firm that we've created here is, is provides enough to where I can save for my family because I do practice what I preach to you guys. And a lot of you have written me and told me that you're struggling financially and 15 to 20% is a hard number to come up with to make sure you're saving for retirement. And if that's the case, you're going to have trouble many, many years down the road when it comes to retire. And I'm going to give you this challenge. This is the time, now that you've done your your taxes, the statistics show that the average tax refund this year was $2,480. That's up from $2,371 for the 2005 tax year. That money that's coming in, I challenge you to do something positive with it. Do something, whether it's um, turn it into seed capital for starting your company, putting together a plan. Maybe you're going to figure out and save up enough money in the next year that you can go start your own business. You can go out and do something um, so that you're your own boss, so you're the man for yourself. Or you could use that money to go back to school. If you look at your tax return and you look at your income level and you're barely scraping by, What are you doing to change your financial situation? This is the time to evaluate and redo it. A lot of people tell you to do this stuff in January um, when you do your New Year's resolutions, but I think actually right after tax time is the best time. If you're one of those people that's getting refunds and you can look at your, your income situation and evaluate it, and this is the time to go figure it out. So if you're not happy with your station in life, this is the time to do it. Figure out, go sit in a room, cut off. Um, all outside, um, things like the TV, the radio, so that you have complete peace and quiet and sit there and just reflect on what in the world you're passionate about that you do better than everybody else that you can make a living out of. And I think that you can really, from figuring out where your passion is, you can reuse that refund money, go, go take that chance. And there is something very, very fulfilling about taking a risk, taking a chance, moving and altering your course on, on your current life, and then coming out on the other side and being successful. If you can take that risk, go the road less traveled, you will truly understand the happiness of fulfillment, and wealth is a side effect of that. You don't get rich just because you're doing this. You get rich because you're doing something you like, and, and I think happiness really does create money. Um, so I, it's hopefully something that you can go look at, and I want you to take that challenge. That's what I call the tax refund challenge. Go evaluate your life and make sure you're doing everything. So let's jump in here on the, the topic for today's show. On the last podcast I did a few weeks ago, it was about three, three, three and a half weeks ago, I did a podcast talking about websites that you can go research what market commentary to figure out what's going on in the economy. Who are some of the people you need to go listen to to really understand what's going on instead of just looking at that money magazine that shows up here at your house monthly and tries to tell you to chase the hot fund of um, two months ago or last year. Those things are that's that's being reactive to, to what's going on out there. I tried to give you in the last podcast information to help you actually Essentially, read the tea leaves of what's going on in the economy and make the right decisions for yourself. But I started thinking about this. Part of what I did was, because I do think it's very, very smart to educate yourself about what's going on with the marketplace and your money, but I also need you to understand how human behavior impacts your money. Um, it's hard out there, because I understand 
that when the markets get ugly and choppy, it is scary to know what to do with your money. Now, it's easier for me to say this now because we're three weeks later. When I did the last podcast, we had just come through some really rough times. When I say really rough, that's all relative. Really rough for the last eight to nine months, meaning that in Feb- at the end of February, there was a big drop in the stock market. It happened again a few weeks into March. There would seem to be this, this choppiness coming into the marketplace. Now, since then, we've seen the market once again rumble ahead, and we're starting to hit some pretty high numbers and um, we're probably starting to feel good about the economy again. And i got to tell you to be careful because this is that whole roller coaster of emotion that impacts you when you invest. And you need to understand that your emotions do play a part of it. You have the greed factor, meaning that when you see all your friends making money or you've made some money from investing, you sometimes look at it and you, you start to go, man, this is the time to, to load it up, to double down. I'm going to go put more money into it. And then um, there's also the fear side of it, meaning that the market or your investment has been doing very poorly and you're too fearful or scared to go put more money and resources in it and buy when is probably the better time to buy when everybody else is looking the other way. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Providing you those resources and those websites and that commentary to go research the market is not enough. I also want you to understand the facts of this human behavior, how it impacts your investment returns. And there's actually a great resource out there that gets updated every year. And um, that is by this research company called Dalbar. That's D-A-L-B-A-R. I don't know how much of that is lost through my southern accent. But Dalbar, and they come out annually with their quantitative analysis analysis of investment investor behavior. They call it their QAIB. And I've provided a link on the website. If you go to the money-guy.com website, you can go um, see the link to this website. And they come out with this every year. This is the 2006 study that they did. But they have some pretty scary and startling facts. And I want to let you guys in on this. They take, and they always do this on a 20-year running average. So you can go look at the historical numbers, but they do it on a 20-year running average. Is that if you look at the last 20 years, from 1986 to the end of 2005, you will see inflation has totaled 3% a year. If you look at what the average bond investor did during that same period of time, they did 1.8%. So those of you out there that are active bond investors, you're not even keeping pace with inflation. That's pitiful. The the average equity investor has averaged a return of 3.9%. So you're barely beating inflation, which is nothing to be proud about either. So you ask yourself, well, what about the just um, buy and hold or the lazy investor? Because that's what I titled today's podcast is lazy investing can actually be good investing. I'm trying to get you to think about this. Instead of outsmarting yourselves, just let your money work for you. The long-term government bond, if you just bought the long-term government bond index, it averaged the last 20 years 9.7% a year. And then if you just bought the S&P 500, it averaged 11.9% for the last 20 years. So you can see that people are definitely outsmarting themselves. If you go from the average bond investor is only getting 1.8%, the average equity investor is only getting 3.9%, meanwhile the market's getting somewhere between 9 to 11%, you guys are messing up out there, and that's why I want to just arm you with the knowledge now so that when the market does adjust, and it will because it's very cyclical, we always go through periods of time that we think, because we all think that the world revolves around um, our world, you know, what's going on in our life, we always think that this is a new time that's never been like any other time in the past, and we react and we sell at the worst time. 
Instead of buying low and selling high, we typically buy high, sell low, and that's reflected in these numbers. And this is, and let me give you this statistic to back up what I just said. If you looked at the average retention over the last 20 years, and that, what I mean by average retention, that's the amount of time, length of time that you've owned the actual investment that you bought. Equity investments are only 2.9 years. Fixed income, meaning bonds, have only been held on average 3.2 years. And then um, asset allocation funds have been held for an average of 4.1 years, which is better, but still not long-term. Because remember, a long-term investment horizon is at least five to seven years. And that's not, I would consider that almost an intermediate term. But, um, I, I tell people don't invest money unless you can lock it up for five to seven years. And I'm telling you, the average is 2.9 for stocks, 3.2 for bonds. And then these new class of funds, these asset allocation funds, like the Fidelity Freedom Funds, that the Vanguard Target Retirement Funds, those at least have increased it to where people who are buying that, um, are more to, um, predisposed to, to hold on longer is 4.1 years. That is insane. We've got to be more realistic and hold on to your funds a little bit longer because listen to this this this, this idea and this number um, that will also prove my point. If you looked at each month for the last 20 years of what the market has done, whether it has gone up or whether it has gone down, it is a 60-40 split, meaning that 60% of the time the market is going to be up 40% the market's down. So if you don't know what to do, the best advice is do nothing. Do not sell. Because if you just sit there and let the market do what it's going to do, you're going to be up 60% of the time. That means you're the house. You know, if you go into these casinos out there, you play blackjack, you play craps or anything else, the house usually only has a 1% to 2% advantage, and that's enough for them to build these huge billion-dollar facilities because they know if they take enough wagers over time, they're going to win because the odds are in their favor. Well, I've just told you the odds of the market being up is a 60-40 split. So you have a 20% advantage over the people who are trying to figure out when to sell and get out of the marketplace. I would much rather take the odds, bet with the house, and go 60% of the time things are going to be good. So don't try to time the up and down markets. Just if you don't know what to do, hang in there. One of the first things I let people know um, about investing, because we've come through, let's think about it. The market has really been started being good since about November um, of 2002. That was really when the market hit its bottom, and um, we started coming out, and we've had a pretty nice stretch here, because it's now 2007. One of the first things I let people know is that anybody can make money when the market is up. There's been enough studies out there with darts and monkeys. And what do you, what do I mean when I say that? I mean, if you, I can always think back that there's all these, these random, um, studies they'll do where they took a, a dartboard out, put a bunch of, put the, um, the investment section of the newspaper up there and just threw darts at it. And whatever stock that dart hit, they would buy. And guess what? During times that the market's good, those investments, um, rise up too, because it's like most things. Um, when, you know, you have a, a harbor full of boats, when the water rises, all boats rise with it. And that's the case. You've also seen studies where you have monkeys that have just randomly pointed at stocks on the, the investment section of the newspaper, and they've done well. Anybody can make money when the stock market is good. 
So don't think you're smart just because you've made money when the stock market's up. Where it gets much more difficult and gets dicey out there is when the market has been beaten up a little bit. There's research and study out there, and you can go to this Dalbar website that shows most mistakes are made when the market's down. And why is that the case? The reason is is because fear sets in. You think you're going to lose everything, so instead of losing everything, you decide the smart thing to do is just to sell. Put half your money in cash. Let's wait this out. Let's, let's, let's sit on the sidelines until this market figures itself out. And when you do that, you typically lose some of the best returns that you can do because when the market recovers is the best performance you'll see in the market cycle. I've been there, done that. It is the truth. When the market recovers from a downturn, it's the biggest pop. So when you come out of recessions, the biggest pops are usually that year right after the market recovers because what you've got is you've got companies out there building their inventories up. They have depleted their inventories to the point that now they have to go start really purchasing, purchasing, purchasing. They also have not upgraded their facilities. They have not done capital improvements, meaning buying new equipment and other things to make their business run better. And now all of a sudden the orders start coming in because the economy is recovering, so they go on buying mode. And when everybody jumps into buying mode, everything gets picked up and picked up rapidly. I mean, there's huge jumps. That's why if you look at 2003, when the market recovered in 2003, the, the market got 28%. S&P 500 scored about 28% in 2003, and that's because you have that big jump right after you come out of a bad marketplace. So do not try to time the markets. And um, I just tell you, you earn your value as an investor, or I earn my value as an investment advisor and wealth manager when the market's down. I tell clients, don't hire me to get you. I get great returns and good returns when the market's up, but anybody can do that. The value comes when the market is coming down and protecting yourself. The value of diversification. Go back and listen to my podcast on diversification, and I give you a game plan on how to protect yourself. So these are the things you've got to think about. Is you want to go with a buy and hold type mentality. Go with a Warren Buffett type mentality. This is how he's made his money at Berkshire Hathaway. Is not he does go out and he tries to pick good companies and they're kind of his permanent portfolio where he knows he's going to hold on to them for years to come and he's rewarded for that. So do this. Try to make sure you're you're diversifying, but you're also picking good asset classes um, that are going to be good for many years to come. Now that you understand. I want to make sure, now that you understand the numbers uh, that I gave you from that research and that you also understand the value of being a consistent and patient investor, I want to read a story for for you. This is straight from Dalbar. They have the story of Quincy and Caroline. And I think this is a great representation of exactly what I'm talking about, and this is why they did this. So let me read this. Bear with me. It says, Quincy and his wife Caroline inherited $20,000 in 1985. Quincy heard that mutual funds were the best way to put money away, and he and Caroline decided that they would put their windfall into mutual funds. They decided that they would split the money and each put $10,000 into their own account. They both selected the same stock mutual fund and put their money in on the first day of January 1986. In the 20 years since that time, Quincy has stayed on top of the market, checking on how his investment was doing every month. Caroline, in the meanwhile, was more concerned about raising their kids and would listen to Quincy talk about how much he was making and occasionally how much he had lost. 
Does this sound familiar? You know, how often do you hear your friends bragging about how much money they made in the stock market? Um, meanwhile, they never tell you about how much they've lost. A year later, Quincy was very happy with his decision. His investment was now worth $12,000, and so was Caroline's. So this is, they started in, in 1986. They invested ten grand each. They each had made two grand because it was a 20% year back then. After two years, at the end of 1987, Quincy was very worried about all the news of the market crash that happened in October. When he checked on his investment, it had fallen from $12,000 a year earlier to $9,600. He decided to limit any further loss and withdrew half of his investment and put $4,800 in his checking account. He wanted Caroline to do the same thing with her $9,600, but she talked it over with her friend and decided against doing anything. Her friend, who was a financial advisor, assured her that the market would bounce back. By the August of the next year, Caroline's account was back up to $12,000 level, but Quincy still had $4,800 in his checking account. That did not increase when the market did. Quincy regained his courage by the end of 1988 and put the money back into his mutual fund. By this time, Caroline's account was worth $15,000 and Quincy was only worth $12,300. In the intervening years, Caroline simply let her nest egg grow, but Quincy moved money in and out of the market. He would read the stock market reports and talk about with his friends to find out what they were doing. When he became worried about losing his money, he would withdraw some of it, and when his confidence was restored, he would invest it again. Does this sound familiar? This is exactly what I'm talking about. Most of you out there, based upon the research, are buying when the things are good because you have your confidence built back up, but then you're selling when you get nervous, when the market's at its bottom part. It's the opposite of what you need to be doing. By the end of 2005, Quincy had built up his initial $10,000 investment up to a whopping $21,422. Caroline had not touched her investment, so it suffered during the times of market declines and recovered when the market did. By the end of 2005, Caroline's account was worth $94,555. There is the value in being a lazy investor. Do not outsmart yourself. Go the lazy way. Buy good investments and hold them. Forget about them. Watch them. Just every year, go take a look at them. Pull out that annual statement. Make sure there haven't been any manager changes. They haven't been caught in any scandals. But if they're still, the fundamentals are there. It's good managers. The company's doing everything that you bought it for originally. Hang in there and you will be rewarded. I do want to close out today's um, podcast by reminding everybody that we do have a newsletter that we send out. Um, we have two different newsletters, actually. We have one that you can sign up for free on the website, money-guy.com, and we will you get updated show notes whenever we do a new show. There's also a print newsletter that does cost $29 a year. It's called The Wealth Report. It's the exact same newsletter that I send out to my wealth clients. You will get a copy of this. It allows you to have tools to, to know how to make the right decisions financially. It also is going to provide you all kind of guidance on what's going on in the economy as well. So this is, I urge you to, to sign up for the newsletter. $29 is a cheap price. If you think about my average hourly fee is $250 an hour. If you get one piece of nugget, one nugget article every quarter, this is more and paid for itself. So sign up. We got several options. Um, you can go to PayPal. My PayPal email address is brian at money-guy.com. Or you can, um, 
so just donate $29 at the um, website and just make sure you note, you note that it's for the Wealth Report and we'll get you on the mailing list. Or you could just send us a check and we've got on the website um, the name and address that you need to make the check payable to and send us $29 because all proceeds do help us to give this free podcast show. So I encourage you to please sign up. Love to have you. Love to get that information out. And I just thank you guys for tuning in, listening to this podcast, and letting us give you this advice to hopefully make better financial decisions. Remember, be a lazy investor. You want to buy good products and just sit on them and not outsmart yourself. Until next time, may God bless you with good health, good wealth, family, and friends. This is Brian. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.